Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur and you're driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. This is a podcast brought to you by Faith Driven Entrepreneur. You can check us out at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. Please send us any questions, any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you, and any thoughts about or questions on being a faith-driven entrepreneur. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're going to jump in in just a moment with part two of the lightning round. But before we do that, William and Henry and I, we want to encourage you to continue to send us your emails with your thoughts, your questions, your sentiments, and especially your feedback. We're trying to get better and better for you, the Faith Driven Entrepreneur. And if we don't have your feedback, we don't know what we should be doing more of or what we should be doing less of. So keep your emails coming. We love them. We read them all. And we really appreciate it. Okay, so today we're going to start with Grant. Grant's a listener from the middle of the country. He's going to kick us off with his question. So here's part two of our most recent lightning round. So we're going to head back to Chicago. We have a question coming in from Grant who wants to know, hey, let's be honest. In some ways, entrepreneurship can lead to making a lot of money. And especially as I'm starting a venture, that's the goal to be profitable and to build a successful venture. But he's thinking through... If that happens, I'd like to be prepared. You know, I'd like to already be thinking about what are some of the most helpful things that we could do for the kingdom with money if it does happen and if that does end up coming to fruition for him. So I'll I'll jump in here. This is a great question. We've talked about generosity and gratitude on some recent podcasts that may or may not be helpful to go back and reference. But there's a great spot, because I think the most important thing that any person who's running a faith-driven business can understand is, why do we give it all? You know, why do we give? But I think that also what's coming through in the question as I look at it from the online submission here is also is, you know, where and how do I give it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what does that look like? And I would tell you that I think that there's a great process to go through as an entrepreneur that's had some financial success that you go through after you've asked the why question. So you come to understand that why do I give? Well, I give out of gratitude for the great gift that's been given to me of life and the desire I have to participate in what God is doing in the world. Okay, so that's the why. So how and where? Well, the how part really comes from what God is putting on your heart. So you need to go through a real spiritual discernment process about what God has put on your heart and your family's heart. As an entrepreneur, we have an opportunity to do this with our wife uh, or our husband as a partner, our spouse as a partner, and then also with kids. And there have been times in life I have not done that well. In expediency, I've seen something I think is really cool and really interesting and that God is working on. And I'm pretty quick to give money away and to write a check all too often without going through a spiritual discernment process and or to include other people that I really care about. And that's the challenge. But then another thing I want to throw in there is that we have the opportunity as an entrepreneur to be on lots of people's radar on all sorts of great godly causes. But as an entrepreneur, as a creative person, we also have the opportunity to think creatively about what's not yet happening in the kingdom or what is something that a lot of people are focused on, but maybe some other people aren't. If we can take some of what God has given us in terms of innovation and creativity and even a contrarian attitude towards investing. I'll give you an example. Homelessness is a cause celebre. People know about that, and it is an awful tragedy, to be clear. But there's some other things that are out there that a lot of people aren't really focusing on, like how do I encourage entrepreneurship overseas? 
as an entrepreneur, we're uniquely situated to be able to do that and to get involved in some of these overseas ministries that might be doing Christ-centered economic development. The Chalmers Center and Hope International are a couple that come to mind. What might we be uniquely equipped to do to participate in God's work, both financially and in our time? Yeah, there's a real joy in thinking through what you might do, whether or not it ever happens or not. And sitting with your spouse, other family members, close friends and advisors, and saying, what's important to me, to us, and what might we do to support what's important to us? And the joy of that is, is that you begin to find those causes. And by the way, what Henry's saying is exactly right. I mean, this is one size fits one, not one size fits all. So when you referenced, you know, homelessness may be your thing because you look out the window and it's right yeah. in front of you. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. That's right. But it may not be your thing because, you know, you look out the window and you see something different that's on your heart. So, so it one size fits one. But the joy can be in whether it's a lot of money or it's a little amount of money. Understanding and knowing what those passions are, where you think you can make a difference. And going through that process now is a great thing. And you'll actually find that you'll learn things about yourself that you didn't know prior. The other thing I would add is when we talk about resources, it's not just about money. Our mm-hmm. time and our talents are also the same. So, look, we're, we're in the entrepreneurial space. We know what the hit ratio is. There will be many people who will never have a chance to actually reach that worldly success number. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that our talents and our time can't be invested into those causes in a way that can make as much, if not more, impact than what a financial donation would be to an organization. So hard to find time, hard to put our talents to work, maybe even harder than putting our financial resources to work. But, you know, these organizations, they need people who can think about things in different ways. Yes. They need people who will jump in and say, hey, I have a piece of technology I've used a piece of technology that if you utilized, it would be fantastic. Hey, I've got a process that if you thought about this process, you know, it would be great. In my business, we do this. Have you thought about that? Those are mind opening. Those can be game changers for places that need help. So um, start now. Time and talent. Someday, maybe a financial resource. Yes. So start now on all that. The other thing I'll throw in there is that there's no better time to think about financial success and what you're going to do with it than well before you've had it. And we've mentioned the Alan Barnhart video before, going back there and setting that finish line ahead of time about what does it look like? And gosh, it sounds crazy to think about what might we do with a $100 million exit right now. And the company's at $50,000 in monthly recurring revenue, and we can't figure out how to meet payroll. But that's actually a great time to submit your business to the Lord and to think about Lord willing, if this ends up becoming financially successful, what does that look like for us? And what is the type of standard of living? How much is enough? And which doesn't mean that any of us are called to have a life of poverty. But that's an exercise that's much easier to go through now than it is actually once you've all of a sudden gotten the financial success. That's a great point. And we talk a little bit about this in episode five, the spirituality of fundraising, and then in episode 23, where we talk about generosity a little bit. So those are some great places where we dive a little deeper into some of these topics and kind of talk about what scripture has to say about these things. Uh, Last thing I would just say is just thinking about the, the triangle of prayer and scripture and wise counsel. This seems like a place where really leaning on those three legs of that triangle of really what God's putting on your heart 
to do, what's coming off the page in Scripture, and what your friends and family kind of tell you from observing your life and, and kind of where God's taking you through these journeys are just really great places to go when, when a topic so big as this comes up. Yeah, just, it just reminded me of something, too, William, is that, you know, sometimes I think, and maybe in this podcast, we end up looking at the entrepreneurial effort as one. And the question obviously leads us to a place of um, exit and liquidity. There are many entrepreneurs, probably more entrepreneurs than not, who aren't necessarily looking for an exit. They're not looking for some liquidity event. They're looking for a long-term sustainable business that they have created that could be generational, that could be the lifestyle, that they're doing good in their community and their business and they're making it better. And I think we all have examples of those people. We know my running partner is third or fourth generation now of a apparel company that makes uniforms. He has no desire to ever cash out. He has no desire to ever sell it to somebody. He wants his kids to run it someday. And he's figured out how to steward his resources towards a different kind of goal. And he's just extraordinarily generous, does a lot of great things for a lot of different causes. But the end game for him is not that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, we also have to calibrate that. And it's a good thing to be thinking about that now, too, because even in entrepreneurs who are in maybe industries where yeah, we've got to pay back shareholders, other people's money. We've got to meet that. Um, very few that I know walk around going, oh, when I cash out, I'm done. You know, it's more likely going to be, hey, if I get a liquidity event, it works out great for my team, my shareholders and me. Now I'm going to go do something else. And to your point, Henry, knowing what your own end game as best you can might well save you from what Rockefeller used to say, you know, they'd say how much is enough and he'd say just a little bit more. And we have to be cautious of that. That's great. Well, thanks so much for the question, Grant. Really appreciate that. And and thanks for coming in. And we're going to tackle one more here, heading back down to the southeast to Atlanta. Frankie wrote in a question about balancing travel and work. This is something that I think we have not talked about at all, but man, it's huge. It's actually something that I'm struggling with. And as someone from Atlanta, the busiest airport in the world, quick side story, Atlanta airport is a special place in my heart because I was on a missions trip in China for a few months about eight years ago when I got an email that Chick-fil-A released the spicy chicken sandwich. And for those of you that know me, you I flew love my back Chick-fil-A. for it. You flew back from China for the I did spicy not. chicken. I did not, but I did this. I love my spicy, and I love my chicken sandwiches from Chick Fil A. So the fact that those two were having a marriage was a big deal for me. So I wasn't coming back for two months, but I knew that in Terminal B at the Atlanta Hartsfield Airport there was a Chick Fil A. So the second I landed, I got on the bus and went to a totally different terminal. And I tried it. And it was amazing. It's been amazing for eight years since. And it's a big deal in my life. So whenever I think of travel, I think of that airport and that spicy chicken sandwich. Oh, I wish I had a good Atlanta travel memory. It's a tough airport for me. But that would <laughs> make all the difference. Me too. Yeah. Ever since, ever since they built that thing, it's been tough to go through there. But okay. Sorry. Sounds Sorry like about that, Atlanta. Terminal. Yeah. <laughs> Just telling you, number one changes a lot of things on an airplane. Just letting you know. So I'll tell you, you know, I wonder, people talk a lot about work-faith-family balance, and it's something that I think we all struggle with, which is, what is the highest and best use of my time? 
how do I make sure that I balance the right time focusing on the business versus focusing on the family and try not to make either one of them my idol. But a subset of the business side, I think, is travel. And I think, to be clear, I think that there's some times that we really need to get out there and we need to be with a customer in person. I think that's incredible. The impact it makes when we're willing to get on a plane and go out to visit a customer, particularly when we're working on something important to them, is important. It's how you start a relationship. It's how you make continued investments in that relationship. And yet at the same time, I think that in my past, travel has been a little bit of an idol. I have gone on more trips maybe than I needed to because I needed to show my partners that I was willing to do what was necessary for the business. And while that was true, some of those trips probably could have been better done over a Zoom call or a Skype video call or something like that. And in some of those cases also, I think that I could have gotten a lot more done. Uh, travel does take a lot out of somebody. And I think that there's some real expenses there. And I don't think people talk about it enough. And that is, can work travel be a sub-idol under the kind of umbrella of workaholism? Discuss. And anyone that's ever been in investment banking, the answer is absolutely. When I was young in my career, I mean, we thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Just that you got to go on a business trip and you could tell people about it and you would talk about, you know, last night we were closing a deal and I, I got on a plane at midnight and I did an overnight trip and I got off the plane. We closed the deal. We were back and back at 18 hours. I mean, and I still think through those things. Yeah, I think that sometimes it becomes a badge. You know, it's like a, this badge of courage, badge of honor. Um, I used to brag about how one time we took an Asian trip and we went from California to Asia and we were gone for four days and never, never slept in a hotel because mm. every, if it was every night was, you know, yeah. overnight and we would get off and then we'd take a shower and then we'd go to the office and we'd do what we needed to do. And then, you know, it's like, and, you know, so I think it, sometimes it could be, as you said, a, a sub idol there, Henry. I, I remember years ago, though, a, a salesperson, a very successful salesperson who was on the road all the time told me that he had his own rule and his own rule was never to be away from home more than three nights in a row. Mm. And it wasn't because his family needed that. It was because it was important to him. So I feel like I drift from those things that are important when I'm on the road for more than three nights in a row. Yeah. And he figured out that when he looked at his customer scheduling and he looked at all the trips he had to do, that there was no reason to be on the road for more mm -hmm. than three nights in a row. Yeah. Then that became something that he instituted, and then he carried that into his team. And before long, that became just the sales wave. You know, nope, nope. And if somebody came in with a trip that was going to be more than three days, he was the first one to say, um, you need to justify to me why you're going to be gone more than three days. Yeah. So I think you know our own boundaries around that are very important. All that being said, there are many times in our careers where that choice is not really ours. Right? We may work for somebody who says, come on, we're going. Yeah. You need to go. You know, and you need to be in India next week and you need to stay there until the deal is done or until you've met all the customers or until you've spent all the time with the operations team. And it's really not your choice and you really can't push back. So I think it's a hard thing, but you hit on it, Henry, and I think that we all ought to take really great heed of that advice. Travel can become a bit of an idol. Right? It can become a little bit of a, this is my respite. This is how I get away. This is where my fun is. Boy, do I feel like the adrenaline when, I, when I'm out there on the road. We have to be careful of that. Yes, careful we do. Of that. We do. 
And it's really hard. I mean, I have a five-month-old that everyone can see an awesome picture of on the website if you get a chance. I think he's pretty cute, but it's my own personal Indeed. opinion. No, I'm with you. But uh, it's taken on a whole new approach. So when I hear things like this, I just say, it's so much harder for my wife now. And I miss him and I miss my wife. And, and it's just a whole different thing than when I was earlier in my career where I had nothing going on. And my boss shipped me to the Czech Republic for three months. And I was like, this is interesting. I can handle this, you know. So as we think about family and growing through those things, this is something I have absolutely not figured out. So this is some great wisdom uh, that I'm hearing here. But I think it's something we're all going to face. I think there's always the next deal to be done. There's always someone else to meet. There's always something to, to happen. But, man, it can be overbearing. It can be. Now, we talked to – Rusty mentioned something there a second ago I think that's really important, and that is that there are times if we are not the boss that we have to go, and the boss says we got to you know, jump on a plane, we got to go. But looking at that – from an entrepreneur's perspective, we've got to be really careful when we're the boss. Mm. We are the boss. And we know that actually the guy that we're going to be taking with us is maybe he's got three teenagers at home that need him there. Understanding and taking a responsibility to make sure that that person's not spending too much time on the road. Watching, number one, their potential towards workaholism. And then number two, making sure that we're not adding to it or that we're not introducing it. Being sensitive And I think it's appropriate for us to talk to all of our employees about what's expected in terms of travel and how they process it and how things are also and how they're balancing it at home. You know, I think that every stage of being a parent is really, really important. Uh, I had once thought that as soon as my kids were teenagers, they could do their own homework and all that kind of stuff. They could put themselves in bed and make sure they got in the shower, that that would be a time where I could actually spend more time on the road. And I've actually seen the opposite happen. So I think that they need me more than they ever did before. I want to be here more than ever because now they're processing real challenges that they're going to be processing and thinking through as an adult that are going to impact their behavior for the next 80 years. And so I think that we need to be sensitive to what our employees are going through. At the same time, we got to get out there on the road. But being mindful of that, that when we tell somebody to go with us on a trip to make sure we're not overdoing it, because the odds are if you're working on an important mission, that person's going to say yes. Uh, to take that as a real responsibility, not to take that lightly, is important. Yeah, the word I would use is being judicious. Yes. We should be very judicious about our time. Because what you're talking about, Henry, is missing some great family time. You can't ever get that back. Mm-hmm. You just can't. You, we, we can't roll back that time. So being judicious about it and really asking ourselves the question, do we need to? The answer is yes, then we need to. If the mm-hmm. answer is, uh, maybe we really don't need to, then let's find another way. Let's find another way. You know, there's probably a better way to get it done if the answer in the back of your mind is uh, maybe we don't need to. Yeah. So that's a great way to end. Yeah, there's so much, I think, in a lot of our entrepreneurial lives that it's just uh, necessary travel, right, that is there. So anything additional or anything you're thinking about adding on just to really sit back and think, do I have to do this? Is this really necessary for the business to move forward? I think the last thing is what Henry mentioned. I mean, so many great tools now. And so, yes, if you think phone calls are impersonal, I mean, we're, we're all on a video call right now, even as we do the podcast, because it's just better to see people. It's just better to see the interaction. And can you do that over an hour Zoom call? I'm in my house right now, so they see my house and see kind of where I'm living and, and really get to know me through this process as well. And I think that could happen in the same office environment. So thinking about using other tools, uh, we live in a great age where that's a possibility. 
And so to really consider those things as we push forward. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us. This has been a great mailbag, uh, lightning round. We've just really enjoyed listening to your questions and answering them. Please continue to send them in. We have the submissions on the website, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. You haven't heard it in a while, and uh, we can always be found there. And we'd love to get your questions from around the country and around the globe. If anyone else is listening, we went all the U.S. today. But we know we got some listeners in other countries, so please send them in. Thank you so much for joining us on the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. Please go to faithdrivenentrepreneur.org and let us know if you have any questions, any of those tough ones that you'd like us to tackle. If you have any videos, articles, sermons, or podcasts that have been helpful to you on your journey, we'd love to see them too. Just send them our way. Lastly, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you in any way, we'd appreciate you commenting, sharing it with others, and subscribing. This podcast would not be possible without help from many of our friends. Music by Carl Cadwell. You can see more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. And editing by Johnny Shue.